another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Ladies and gentlemen, coming on the show today, seven foot tall, 383, I think still, from Aiken, South Carolina, the Big Show is here on the show. What's up, Big Show? You're killing me, Gentry, you're killing me. You can't call me the Big Show anymore. Oh, sorry. Uh, Paul Paul White. No, it's all good. Paul yeah, White. There you go. See, isn't that such a bummer? Isn't that such a letdown? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't work for WWE anymore, so I don't own that intellectual property, so I'm not allowed to call myself the big show. Gotcha. Well, what about, what about a guy like me who's just a wrestling fan who just likes you and just uh, doesn't know any better and I think, just calls you the big show? I think, that, I think the rules are, as long as I'm not using this for, like, to make money off of it, I think people can call me whatever they want to. I'm sure you could call me, you know, Captain Jackass if you wanted to. So I think we're good. So Paul White works for now. Hopefully soon you can uh, – uh, that will be as popular as the old moniker. Paul, when you debuted in wrestling, they called you the giant and they coined you Andre right. Andre's son. And then I feel like it wasn't right. quickly. It was pretty quick after that. They, then they started calling you Big Show. What was the history behind that? Well, those are different companies. Like I started in WCW, which is a different company, which is a turning company, and they call, called me the giant. Back when I started, no one used their real name because you had to have a gimmick name. That was just the way the industry was driven for so many years like most guys had gimmick names you know like hulk hogan was terry bolea you know so um to transfer to wwe i first came out in wwe as paul white and you know back then i don't think they thought uh, the name was something that they uh they didn't like paul white they wanted to call me something different and there was always the monday night wars back then so if you know the I was one of the big first ones to move. So the big show, the initials to the big show are also TBS. So that was kind of a uh, part of the Monday Night Wars thing and stuff. I think that was a shot at TBS to call me the big show. So, And then now that I've left uh, WWE and gone to AEW, I'm actually myself, which gives me a little bit more freedom to do things and, and actually build my own brand. Yeah, it's tough to build a brand and not own it. So which is one of the things I'm excited about with the project I'm doing now. When you invest in something, invest time, you, you kind of want to own it. So uh, that's why I'm moving forward with Gen Zeros and what we're doing now in the NFT community. I understand the importance of owning your investment. So Yeah, for go. sure. There you go. That, make, that makes sense. And I'm excited that you're at AEW because I have a close relationship uh, with Shaq, who uh, is a part owner of our, our, our company as well. And, of course, you know, 
He uh, has some involvement at AEW because of his ties to Warner Media and Turner. And I know the two of you have been wanting to get into the ring and maybe maybe kick some Man, ass I'm together. We need to do something. We need to get in the ring and wrestle or, or, or do a movie together. We need to do something, man. I, you know, it, it's funny, the whole, one of the things, like I get asked all the time, like, you know, what is one of your dream matches? I, I want to wrestle Shaq. I do. And not because I'm angry at him or any, I mean, oh my God, let's be honest. How in the hell could you hate Shaq? Yeah, he, I mean, he's a big like, teddy bear. Like, like I'm teddy bear. He's a smart businessman. He's, you know, uh, he gives back to the community. He, he's charitable. I mean, and he's he's just does so many positive things. You can't hate Shaq, you know. Um, so for me, it would be fun just to work with him and have fun with him. And he's such a big fan of, of wrestling in general that, you know, it's one of those kind of things that the stars never really align for us to, to have that big singles match then. But there's opportunities now in the company I work for, I think now that, Something in the future will definitely happen. I'm, I'm going to mention so it. I'm looking. Hopefully that will happen. I'm going to get hopefully in the big big fellow's ear and tell him that this has got to go down. I'm going to try to be the Don King of this matchup. Big uh, Paul White against uh, Big Shaq. So uh, let's yeah, well, you know, get we it brought, in. You know, Tony and I, Tony and I procured the rights to use Captain Insano. So that's I think going forward, Paul White's going to flip over to Captain Insano here. So we're in the process of trying to make that happen right now. So it could be Shaq versus Captain Insano. There you it's go. a whole other level. I can't Captain wait. Insano's going to be crazier than anything I've ever done. So uh, I'm, I'm in process right now of prepping for that. So All right, Captain. A lot uh, of exciting stuff happening. Tell us more about this uh, live action NFT series because uh, I'm loving these NFTs. Like you said, you now can own your your own property. Uh, even musical artists are starting to drop their albums as NFTs. It's a really exciting time. Uh, you're involved with a company called Gen Zeros Live Action. T- Some people are confused by this NFT, even me a little bit. But explain exactly what's going on. Well, the vernacular to explain it is a part of the confusing part because it's trying to, because, you know, when people are parting with their money to buy something, they want to try to really understand what they're buying. When you're buying a physical product you hold in your hands, that makes sense to you, you know, because, oh, I hold this in my hand. I own this. But what we're doing is this, this is new stuff. So, and we know everything is going digital. What the, the advantage for everyone involved with an NFT type situation like this is, is you're owning a part of the show but also the artists are also protected because a lot of times the artists and you I see a lot of music people and a lot of people that are doing art, they're cutting out the people that basically take most of the profit. You know, like your big studios have all the influence. Like on your artists, you know, yeah, artists make money, artists do well, let's be honest. The studios and the people doing it are the ones that really make the money off of it. And a lot of times the fans in the communities aren't getting a lot of influence with it too. Like, I mean, how many times have you seen your favorite show all of a sudden do a weird ass ending and you're like, or a weird angle. And you're like, why in the hell did that happen? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the part about Gen Zeros are like with that community, the community is involved because they're buying a piece of Gen Zeros. They're buying the opportunity to help influence a part of it. And they're all getting also getting unique access with stuff. They're getting unique access with the, with some of the collectible cars, they're getting unique access with the artwork. There's, there's going to be, there's like ten factions in Gen Zeros right now, which to explain that, that's kind of like the different houses in Game of Thrones. So there's ten factions. So people will have the factions that they want to root for. 
there's going to be an opportunity for, for fans to really, as this grows, influence a lot of, with their, with their tokens, to influence a lot of, of the characters and their storyline. This is something we're taking very seriously because we want our community to understand they're part of Gen Zeros. I was going to say I highly recommend uh, everybody go follow Gen Zeros uh, on Instagram. Uh, they do have a gram. Uh, they're out there on social media, and uh, you can find out more. Our guest, Paul White, uh, the second, joining us here on the show, who is involved uh, <laughs> with uh, Gen Zeros. We're excited about it. Yeah. I'm excited about it just as an actor, too, because for me it's hard as you know, a seven-foot, 400-pound guy. It's hard to get a lot of roles where you can show a little bit of range, a little bit of depth as an actor, as a performer. Like, I've, I've done a lot of little things here and there in my career. I had a great time doing my TV show because I got to show a side of me as a fun, you know, as a dad in that kind of environment with three daughters. So that was a great chance to, to explore a lot as an actor, as a performer. And there's so many I, – I, that show opened up a whole new audience for me. Uh, I have young girls now that are like – you know, eight to 14 that have no idea that I was a wrestler other than I was one on the show that was retired, but they love, you know, they love my daughters on the show. They love me as a dad. So that was a demographic that got opened up to me. That's crazy. When I have like 10 year old girls that are not wrestling fans that scream and freak out because I'm JJ's dad from the big show show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's cool to, to experience that new genre, to, to reach that new fan base. And as an entertainer, that's what you're trying to do. It's not a question of trying to be more famous. As an entertainer, you want to share your work with as many people as possible, different ventures. With Gen Zeros, now I'm getting involved in the digital community, which is a really tight community and a community that's growing because we know the future with people buying legit digital real estate from Metaverse and stuff like that. And, and a lot of your... You know, secure investments are looking towards digital coin, like, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these different, you know, digital currencies that, you know, people are having a chance to invest in. Like, you know, the old story about the guy that paid $150,000 for three pizzas of Bitcoin or something like that. Like, if he had that now, you know, he paid $300 million for pizza. You know, so you never know where things are going in the future, but we know that it's moving forward. And this is where it's grown. We know that. You know, the U.S. government's getting involved real heavily with, with you know, digital currency and whatnot. So your bigger banks, banks are getting involved with it. You know, NFTs in some places are going to be able to buy real estate. You know, uh, you know Tesla's taking, you know, digital currency for, for buying Teslas. So we know the future is going digital. It's just, you know, that's, that's the way things are rolling moving forward. And for this show, to create an opportunity for the digital verse to help grow, to protect the artists, to to allow the community to be involved. And so far to me, it seems like an all positive all the way around. It gets a chance for me as an actor, as a performer, to explore some different layers of my character because my character is nuts, man. I've, I've done some cool characters in the past, but some of the storyboards I've seen that Matt and Jeremy have laid out, I'm excited for, for this show and the science fiction community because you know, I'm a big nerd, so... This is right up my alley with the aliens and reverse engineering technology and all that. So I'm excited. What about Walter Crunk? What do your daughters think of Walter Crunk? <laughs> do they have they seen that? I know they, they don't know much about you as a wrestler, but what about as Walter Crunk? What do they think? Have, they, have you let them watch that one? That's a good one. Uh, you talking about Knucklehead? Yeah, Knucklehead. Yeah, yeah. Knucklehead was uh, 
was a real tough line to play to get the uh, the sincerity and the humbleness of of Walter without um, uh, trying to to dumb it down too much. That was a that was a because that script originally Knucklehead was at, originally a rated R script when we first when I first got that script that was originally a rated R and. Mark Forrestine's character was a real shyster and a real bad guy, and and my character was a little bit uh, not as innocent as it uh, as we end up turning into. My thing was is because I had young kids, my biggest thing was trying to get things where the family could watch something together. Because there's so many times as parents, when you're watching something, you're watching something for your kid. It's a cartoon, and there's, you know, burps and farts, and you know the the cartoon characters are, are rude to the parents, and you know there's no there's nothing to really enjoy like the older shows that I enjoyed growing up, like you know some of the old stuff like the Apple Dumpling Gang and Don Knotts, and some of those shows that were just fun to watch as a kid with your family where everybody got a good laugh and, and knucklehead was a, an attempt to find that same kind of audience that I was looking for where when we went to the TV show, we really got to hit that audience and get that family thing where family could sit together and enjoy it. I think the biggest thing with knucklehead's difference is I had a wig. So it was, it was funny for, you know, kids the, to see like, Oh wow, that's what I look like with hair. Like, the scene, you know, I had hair long before you came along. Paul, the scene I thought was really funny was uh, when you were stuck in the bathroom on the plane, and then I, I later found out that that was actually something. Is that true, that that actually has happened to you on an airplane? You got stuck in the bathroom? When we were, change, when we were changing the script from the radar script to more of the PG script, they were, you know, we, were, we were looking for stories that were funny. And, you know, and we were trying to figure out, like, what are awkward things for Walter, someone my size? And that actually goes to uh, a story of an airplane. Actually, it was a real small plane flying to Sturgis years ago, and it was, you know, flying into Rapid City. You know, it's not a 737. It's a, it's a, it's a small regional plane. Basically, back then, we were flying in to do uh, uh, Hog Wild, I think it was, in Sturgis. And, man, I just, I don't know what happened. I had to go. There was just, there was no, no other way around it. <laughs> and, but the problem is, is, when I was in the bathroom, my knees stuck out past the door. Oh, so man. you couldn't shut the door. So literally, not get, I wasn't stuck in the bathroom, but I couldn't close the bathroom door. So literally, like, you know, like the, the poor flight attendants were holding a blanket kind of over the door. And I was <laughs> trying to hold the door shut. And, you know, like everyone on the plane obviously can tell, like, there's something horrendous going on. And, and there was no way to hide what was going on because it was a small plane. And it was one of those things when I was telling the story, like everybody was dying laughing. And they thought, well, obviously, you know, the, the way the movie worked out, the only way that Walter could travel because of the issues was on a bus. And they thought this was a, a funny uh, life imitates, you know, art imitates life kind of a situation. So that was actually one of the funner funner scenes that we shot on that. I think everybody that saw that died laughing because people that know me in real life know that story that happened for the plane. So when that popped up on, on Knucklehead, like, they were, oh, you put that in there? You know, it was one of those kind of things. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not afraid to make fun of myself. You know, sometimes 
you can't take yourself too seriously. You got to have a little bit of fun. That so authentic that's stuff. That's funny that you remembered that scene. That was a a, a funny bit to shoot because even the actors that were doing it were dying laughing. You know, when we were doing it, like it was hard to shoot that scene because everybody knows that, that was going to be a really funny scene and everybody had fun with it. Yeah, when it's authentic, uh, it definitely comes off great on on film. Our guest, uh, Paul White, the the second is involved with AEW. Also, check out uh, GenZeros.com and get involved in his new NFT project. I definitely want to talk some wrestling with you. I wanted to see, uh, like, we do, we talk a lot of basketball around here. So, uh, we, we always like to... Really? Put, I can't... Why would you guys talk about basketball? <laughs> that doesn't make... Yeah. But we, we like to put everything in basketball terms. So, I've come up with my start right. starting five all-time, uh, you know, wrestlers. And so, I'll, I'll run through my you starting five. So I understand what you're doing with the start five. I understand this. I'm with you. So my number my number five is uh, JYD, the junkyard dog. I got uh, number okay. four. Stone Cold is uh, is running the uh, the four spot. I, I I've thrown in a dark you're horse. Gonna put J, you're gonna put JYD as your big man in the paint? Oh uh, well, you know he's the junkyard dog. He's uh, kind of like a Rodman. He's gonna be very scrappy. He's gonna be an aggressive rebounder. You know. Yeah. Walk out. Okay. Uh, All right. All right. All right. At the uh, at the three, I have uh, this is this is where I'm going deep. Uh, I'm going to pick up Barry Windham. I always loved his boots. Do you remember wow. ba- Barry Windham? Barry Windham, I know very well. Barry Windham, for a brief time in Atlanta, I had an apartment that Barry Windham left a pair of boots in, and he came by one one day to to get his boots, and we had a chat, and I'm like, holy crap, that's Barry Windham, because there's these size fourteen cactus white neon purple and green cowboy boots in the closet i'm like well that was a big dude's boots and it was uh it was funny there were barry windham's he came by and says hey man i left a pair of boots here and i'm like well hell you're barry windham so when, when i was yeah, a kid barry windham's amazing talent i, I like that i, I loved like him he, he's running the three at the two spot uh he, he can shoot uh he can do it all he can come off the top rope a macho man at the number two Macho man. And wow, then, okay. And then, of course, you have to go with the uh, the goat of wrestling, I believe. Uh, uh, at the one spot, uh, you, you got to go with the Hulkster, right? Hulkamania. I do have Mankind yeah. as my sixth man because I, I do appreciate Mankind and everything he's done uh, for the business. And if I had to throw in a tag team, I would probably go Hawk and Animal with the Road Warriors. But I'm curious who the big... Wow. Sh- you, ha- you have an incredible incredible unique lineup i dig that that team is going to win no that team wins championships now i'm curious what is the big show's starting five my starting five uh well in the five in the five spot um uh, as my big man i would definitely put andre in the five okay andre in the five because he's going to take up paint he's going to set good picks uh it's going to be hard to shoot over him so i think of him as a a low paint deterrent he's going to own the paint my number four, my power forward, I'm going to go with Undertaker because he's going to be able to slice and dice. You know, he's going to uh, probably have good moving the paint. If you run a UCLA high post offense, he's going to be going to be uh, a threat from the, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14 feet out. If, uh, if he gets a pick off an Andre and moves up to the top of the free throw line, he's going to get that wide open jumper. If you don't cover him, he's going to be tall enough to shoot over who has to float over and guard him. My number three, my number three, I would probably go with probably Kurt Henning. I would go with Kurt Henning on my three. Wow. Uh, what a lineup. Uh, uh, my, my number three would be a Kurt Henning 
my number two, my shooting guard, my number two, my guy that's going to make everything happen, that's going to uh, light everything on fire. My number, my number two, I would probably go with tough toss up here, but my number, you see where I see, I got, I've got Andre Taker, Kurt, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. He probably won't Kurt miss. Henning, my number two, you know, my number two right now, I, it's a tough toss up because I kind of want to go, I kind of want to go Eddie Guerrero mm. or or Randy Orton. I think I'm going to go Randy Orton for my number two. Scrappy shooter. And then probably my number one. Running, running the, point. the point. Who is it? Running the point. Um, I'm definitely going to probably have to go with Kurt Angle on running my point. Kurt Angle running the point. Background. Wow, yeah, he's very Kurt technical. Angle very technical guy. Very te- and Kurt is a guy that, you know, all the years in wrestling, like Stone Cold used to brag about, he, he blew up Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was a guy you could never blow up. Kurt Angle's endurance was just, he's an Olympic frigging gold medalist. Like, the guy never got winded. The guy never forgot a spot. The guy never screwed up. You know what I mean? Like, Kurt Angle was one of those kind of guys. But at the same time, my, you know, there are guys that I would have interchange with those positions too. Like, you know, I would run John Cena at a point. You know, I would run um, Brock Lesnar at a, at a, at a four. I would run, you know, Kane. Uh, I would run Kane at a five, you know. So, um, you know, now that I'm over here in AEW, there's some great talent in AEW too. I could run Kenny Omega on a point. I could run uh, Cody you know, Rhodes. What about Cody and, Rhodes? Right, yeah. Cody Rhodes. You know what? Cody Rhodes would be a great, you know, coming coming off. I think Cody Rhodes would be a great two. He'd be a great two sliding, a good shooting guard. He's gonna. He's gonna. I'm trying to think of the the. Um, Oh God, and I'm and I'm a fan too, but my brain's going going blank. Cody Rhodes would come in on like a baseline three point shooter, kind of fade off to the side while the offense is running and drain that three just over and over. Maybe like a maybe like a Paxson, like a John Paxton, something like like that. We would just slide it on that baseline and, and, and get that three. Um plays well with the offense. Um the guy that if you don't pay attention to will score on you. So yeah. Paul's you got some great talent in AEW too. That's the problem is you've got so many, so many great talents, and it's hard in basketball too to find your all-time greats. Because what is your all-time greatest five basketball? You got to put Shaq at five. Shaq or Wilt Chamberlain at five. Like with Kareem, you, you Kareem can't you can't forget four. Kareem. Oh, you're gonna move Kareem. I would move Kareem because Kareem as a four is is pretty good because that hook shot. Remember, he could hit that hook shot from the top of the key. You gotta you throw. I mean? You gotta throw Hakeem Olajuwon in there as well. I mean, he he may be the most Hakeem gifted. Hakeem Olajuwon's of good. You know, James Worthy too, because he had that uh-huh. quick first step. You know, so I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much talent everywhere. But you know, wrestling fans, yeah, I think all the way around. Like, I mean, I think you had a great pick with your guys. You, you got to throw Ric Flair, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan in there. Those are the guys. You know, you can't forget guys like Harley Race and stuff like that. Too. We could talk all day long. Have a great one. Uh, check out yeah, GenZeros.com. Much love, Paul. Thank you very, very much for the time. That was an interesting career. Now you're going to have me thinking that all day long. Like, what is my real top five starting team? That's good. Thanks for the thanks for the mind quiz. That was good. All right, brother. Later on, man. Much love. It's time for 
another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.